Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsessions will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a this is Jackie Cation. Welcome to the Dork Forest. I am sitting here in my own living room with uh, with a couple of people that I know through the Enigma Science Fiction Group, but via Andy and the and the and the gaming and the. It's crazy. Why don't I do the the credits? There we go. The websites: JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com, TheDorkForest.com. The donation button. Some of you have used it. I appreciate it. I'm thinking of doing tiered giving. What do you think of that? Unmoved? Yeah, me too. I don't know what I'll do. There's merch, of course. A couple people have ordered Ranger of the Dork Forest t-shirts. I was out of stock. I am back in stock. I have mailed them today. Okay, the credits. Patrick Brady does the audio. Mike Rickberg just sang the song you heard. And he'll sing again at the end. And Vilmos works on the website. Anyway, uh, the live Dork Forest, probably going to be over when this airs. But uh, it's August 18th, and it's going to be awesome with Frank Conniff and Ben Schwartz. Sitting in my living room is a young man named Vincent, who's chatty as all heck, and uh, uh, and his mom, Stacy McKenna-Sipe. Welcome to the program. Thanks. That's it. That's <laughs> the longest of all introductions then. Uh, we met over at the Adler's house, and uh, it was... Uh, it was murder when we met. No, yes. no, that's uh, that's heart to heart. Okay, so uh, but when we met, you were knitting. You're always knitting. I'm always knitting over there at the Adler's they house. They have air conditioning. It makes the knitting easier. It does make the air. It, it it's nice. And th- we're playing Pathfinder or something usually, and you don't want to play. Yeah, I'm not particularly a big gamer. Mm-hmm. I hang out with gamers. I speak geek in a variety of dialects. That's sweet because this is the place for it. And you've exactly. been to Comic Con, indeed. Do you go most years? Uh, I have most of the past four or five years because I've been dating a guy who works in the industry. So. Right. So Ian, with an E, yes. Uh, as as it, how is he referred to in uh, the circle of light? Uh, Ian with an E because it's Irish, right? It's Welsh, I think. It's actually. Welsh. Well, he wouldn't appreciate that. Why don't I just call him <laughs> British and get knifed in my sleep? Anyway, uh, so uh, yeah. So, but what I'm psyched about is I've been trying to get someone to talk to me about bees for about six years. Oh my god! And uh, I know I like, <laughs> I like the idea of bees. I've been stung by bees. I don't know if I've been stung by honeybees, but you keep bees. Yes, as of May of this year, I actually have my own hive. You have your own hive? Yes. Have you always been wanted bees? No, I actually got into it about three years ago because of the garden I had in the backyard. And I figured, well, if I want my garden to work, it would behoove me to have something to behive you huh to to pollinate things. Yes. So I started attending the local beekeepers group. And I love that there's a local beekeepers group. Why wouldn't there be here it, in Los Angeles? There is. And in fact, it's over 100 years old. What's it called? Le- the L.A. County Beekeepers Association. Catchy. Catchy. You could Google Indeed. that. You could insert your own town's name. And right. I, and there's probably one. Yeah. Uh, there's also the Beekeepers Association of Southern California. They meet down in La Mirada. Okay. Um, so there's a couple beekeepers groups around. Okay. And uh, So you just started going to meetings in the I hopes to learn? I started going to meetings in hopes of learning enough to keep my own hive in the backyard for the sake of my garden. I learned very quickly it's technically illegal in my neighborhood because oh. the city of L.A. only allows it in a very restricted set of um, zoning areas. Okay. So, Well, how big is a beehive? Well, a beehive's not all that big. They're usually about foot and a half on each side. Okay, and so however tall they get, the problem so is the bees, bees don't stay in it. Oh, right, right, because they're right. out pollinating things. Right. Right, okay. So it... It's considered a an issue of public safety. Oh, okay. Because so, uh, bees sting people because sometimes. Because bees sting people, and you can't predict which of your neighbors is going to have an allergy. Oh, allergic to bees. Dogs that don't get along with the bees or anything like that. Okay. So the city has restricted beekeeping to agricultural and uh, I believe it's manufacturing um, commercial type okay. properties. Okay. There's actually a group that was formed recently, a nonprofit aimed at legalizing beekeeping in the city of LA again. All right. So honeylove.org is a <laughs> grassroots effort to piece by piece, neighborhood by neighborhood, get the city council districts to uh, consider making beekeeping legal. It would be kind of like um, 
I don't know, like pedophiles, where uh, you're just like, you just, if you're going to bring bees into the neighborhood, you could go and say, hey, who's got kids? Or who's right. allergic to bees? Well, the funniest thing I ran into when I started hanging out with the beekeepers, because I yes. quickly became so fascinated <laughs> with bees, I stuck around even though I wasn't immediately into putting them in my yard. The first question beekeepers will ask you is, so how long have you been keeping bees? And... I'd respond with, well, I don't actually have any. It's not legal on my property. And the immediate response is always, oh, well, there are ways to work around that. Oh, really? Beekeepers will come up with all sorts of ideas of, oh, you can disguise it like a doghouse or a barbecue. (laughs) Anarchic beekeepers. Indeed. All right. Paint it to look like a chimney and put it on your roof. Right, right. All right. So the beekeepers are all about doing whatever you can to make sure you've got bees. Right. Because it's a very addictive kind of hobby. Most of the beekeepers I know will get into their 60s and 70s and try and retire, and three years later they've got bees again because they just couldn't handle not having them around. Right. Well, now, what is the draw of having bees around? You know, I was discussing this with a friend just last week, and we were like, it's fascinating. All of the beekeepers we know, they they warn you against it. Don't start it up. You'll never get out of it. <laughs> don't do it. And then I like that. And then later they're like, yeah, yeah, they're such a pain and they're costing me so much money and they're dying left and right. But I just can't not keep the bees. Okay. So let's, let's talk about each of those things. They cost a lot of money because why? Well, starting up. You think bees would be self, oh, startup. Startup can be kind of expensive. Okay. Uh, it costs about $500 to outfit yourself with a suit and a veil and a smoker and your starting boxes and, okay. and bees and stuff like that. Okay. So if you're a hobbyist and you're just going to start up with one or two hives, it's probably going to be about 500 bucks. Okay. Now, if you're talking a commercial scale venture. Which more and more people are doing? Well, Kind of. It depends on how big a commercial venture you're talking about. If you're talking about a big pollination-oriented uh, kind of thing, you're going to need at least 500 hives. And wow, start- how many bees are in a hive? It depends on the time of year. They change population numbers as oh, the seasons shift. Yeah, they, they're most populated during spring and early summer when there's lots of work to do and lots of pollen to collect, lots right. of nectar. What's the lifespan of a bee? Depends on the time of year and what kind of a bee it is. The workers are the most common bee. Those are the females in the hive. During spring and summer, they can live as little as 48 days and literally work their wings off. Oh. Um, During the winter season, uh, your bees are designed to last several months at a time because, especially in colder areas, they're stuck in the hive all winter long with only their honey storage to to keep them alive. Okay. So they want to keep a small population so that they don't run out of resources as fast. Okay. But just enough to help keep their brood warm so that they can hatch out new bees when they need to. Right. So it's a delicate balancing act through winter what their population numbers are. Okay. The queen bees, on the other hand, those can live three, four, in some cases five years if it's a good strong queen. Wow. Insects so, don't live that long, so five, four or five years is kind of a... That's a very long-lived queen. Most yeah. commercial queens are replaced every year or two to make sure they're at their peak laying productivity so that you can keep your populations high during honey-producing season. Okay. And, um, okay, so so it's expense... It, it, it can, there's startup costs for having bees. Right. And then you get a smoker and a suit and stuff like that, and then you have to go... Do you have to do anything when you have a beehive? What do you do with a beehive? Well... Because it's a lot of work, is what you said. It can be a lot of work, yeah. It depends on how big your colony is and how healthy they are. Obviously, health of bees is the big issue lately. Yeah. Um, What most beekeepers are in their hive looking for is, is my queen still laying? Are the population numbers looking about right for this time of year? Okay. Um, And if they aren't, why aren't they looking right? Right. Why aren't there? Are there bee doctors? Can you have like insects? Well, if your populations are off, then you start looking for things like parasites or signs of disease. Okay. um, Like bee diarrhea, things like that to see if they're sick. Bee diarrhea. Yeah. Because bees, they got to poop, right? Yeah. And they usually do it outside. When they're in flight, so okay. you don't usually see traces of it on or in the hive. Right. So when you start seeing that, you know there's Aha. a problem. Okay. So depending on what they're sick with, you there are antibiotics out there that are off, approved for use in beehives. And how do you feed it to a bee? 
You mix it into a water solution and spray it on the hive, or you okay. mix it into one of their food sources, whether it's sugar water or a pollen patty. Okay. And hope they eat it that way. Do you do you feed bees like you sugar can. water or pollen patties? If what your is business that? is harvesting honey, right. You're going to take so much honey off that hive. In many cases, they won't have enough to make it through the winter. Okay. In that case, uh, you feed them sugar water and pollen patties to get through the winter to make What's sure a, they survive. Is a pollen patty more natural? Is it like actual pollen? It depends on what you make it out of. Every okay. beekeeper has his own recipe. Excellent. Indeed. Why wouldn't they? Um, pollen can get you a really good price at farmer's markets. So okay. a lot of beekeepers will harvest it specifically to sell. Okay. Um, other beekeepers collect it strictly so that they can make their own pollen patties during midwinter if their bees run out of food storage. Okay, so a bee pollinates a flower mm-hmm. and takes the pollen? Or wait, what's the process of... what? What is happening? What's happening with <laughs> okay, a bee? <laughs> bees? Bees collect two different things when they're out and about. Okay. They collect nectar, which is essentially sugar water out of the flower. That's okay. their carbohydrate source. Okay. Like our bread and pasta. Okay. And the other thing they collect is pollen. Right. Pollen is their protein source. Okay. Just like our beans and meat and right. eggs. So the pollination of flowers is kind of a side effect of bees trying to feed themselves. Okay. They really don't care about whether or not the plants survive. <laughs> right. Other than But those we are their two pollen. food sources. But they, those are their food the sources. The nectar and the pollen. Correct. Okay. So when a bee visits a, a flower to collect pollen, She'll stuff it into what's called her pollen baskets. Okay. And it's a little concave area on her hind legs. Okay. And it's covered with hairs to help hold on to things. And she just packs the pollen together and sticks it to all those hairs in that one little spot. Yeah. And so when she comes back to the hive, she'll have two little, like, nuggets of pollen, one on each leg. Right. And then scrape them off again in the hive and pack them into the cells and leave them for later use. Okay. And then, um, the, but here's the thing is, so when the pollen is in, so when they take the pollen into the hive, they, that's how they create honey? Pollen just stays pollen. It's just okay. their food source. Oh, um, okay. So it's just extra for later. Right. And honey is actually dehydrated nectar. Mm. The bees actually uh, store nectar in a honey stomach when they're out foraging. Okay. And they add a couple enzymes to it, which breaks it down a little bit into glucose and fructose. Okay. And they take it back to the hive, and they spread it around with the workers. You know, the foragers will give it to the workers in the hive. Okay. Who spend some time um, dehydrating it, chewing it a little more, so to speak. Okay. Adding more enzymes. And when... The honey gets to eighteen and a half percent moisture content. Okay, or the lower, correct, the right consistency. Then they'll cap it off, but they'll fan it and chew it to try and drive off water and help dehydrate it until this really thin sugar water, which is like maybe ten percent sugar to start with, right, gets down to a percentage where it is largely uh, antibiotic, anti. Um, it doesn't. It turns into honey. It turns into honey, which is naturally resistant to mold, rot. Decay. Okay. Oh, that's right, because you can keep honey in a, in a jar forever, forever like, and ever and ever. I've for, found honey in Egyptian tombs that was still viable. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> it was like didn't really have any toast. Anyway, so <laughs> but here's my question: Is uh, so okay? So then they they. That's extra pollen, right? So the essentially the worker, the the bee that's out foraging, right, essentially eats and then brings extra home for for the workers. Kind Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, the the bees go through several different stages, and they're not just working stages; they're actual physiological shifts that they go through during the course of their lifetime. When they first hatch out of their cocoons or right. their cells, their job is housekeeping. You came out of that room, you clean it up. Okay. (laughs) Um, And so they start with housekeeping, cleaning up, getting the cells ready for the next round of eggs to be laid. Okay. And then they graduate to nurse bee status, where they're taking care of the next round of larvae. Oh, the next round of bugs. Got Uh it. Got it. So nurses primarily process honey and pollen in the hive to be fed to the larva. Okay. And they do this by secreting things out of two different glands in their head. There's the mandibular gland, 
Which I've heard of. Uh-huh. And, uh, uh-huh. I can't remember what the other one is called. It starts with a G. All right. And it's it's on the top of their head. Okay. And between those two glands, they form the substances that are known as royal jelly or worker jelly, depending okay. on the ratio of how much of each they feed them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's what they feed to larvae. Okay. And queen and- bee larvae gets only royal jelly. Well, Which as is what well makes they her are a queen. Yes. Uh, regular worker bees or drones get royal jelly for the first day or two, and then switch to a different mix, which turns them into worker bees. When I have when I have people over, it's the nice booze, and then all of a sudden, exactly. they're, they're drinking some tecate. Exactly. That's it. That's which just- is why the queen is the only one who winds up a fertile female. Okay. The workers all wind up just. Do your job. Right, right. On. Sure. So when they're done with their, their nurse bee phase, they'll go on to other household chores like helping dry out honey or guard duty at the front entrance. Okay. The very last duty that a bee has is actually forage time. Okay. And they progress through these jobs because physiologically, a nurse bee does not quite have the full equipment to forage yet. Okay. And a foraging bee... So they have bee, to... So they're also maturing as they're yes. going through each of these phases. And a, and a foraging bee is no longer as capable at feeding larvae as oh, the nurse bees yeah. are because they've matured out of that phase. Right. Um, they've found that pheromone levels in the hive, which are largely due to your protein levels in the hive, mm-hmm, how much mm-hmm. pollen they've got available, will shift how fast those nurse bees mature into foragers. If they're low on pollen, the pheromones shift... And those bees mature faster to get more bees out into the field to bring more pollen right, back to right. the colony. Right, right. Okay. So, so, the, so the hive sort of serves itself, obviously, it right? It does. Okay. Now, but what do you... So, I'm always curious about... So, they're saving the honey to eat off of it for winter, right? right? Exactly. So, people who harvest honey go in and take all their food. Right. And then what happens? The bees die? Well, because they, they die can, of starvation. If you don't feed them, that's right. one of the biggest expenses for a commercial beekeeping outfit is feeding your bees through the winter, and especially with the illness that we've seen in bees in the past decade. Right. So, right. It's becoming more and more crucial. I've been to the state beekeepers uh, conference two right. years in a row now, and that's the big thing they're constantly harping on is nutrition, nutrition, nutrition. Well, and and. Well, sugar water isn't the same, right? No, no. Sugar water... Does it have the same nutrients for the bees, right? No, no. It's it's kind of like you and I trying to live on potatoes. Right, forever. Forever. Yeah. You know, spend all day, every day eating oatmeal. Right. It's it's kind of... It kind of sucks in that regard, which the, is one of the reasons you also want to pair it with a really good pollen patty, preferably with, you know, a mineral supplement in it. There are a okay. variety of those available commercially. Some of the smaller outfits I know will try and leave enough natural honey on their hives for the bees to survive over the winter. Right. Most colonies make way more honey than they'll need to survive a winter. Okay. Which is why we can harvest honey. And why we've traditionally been able to. Right. And there still be bees. Right. Exactly. Like back in the old days. Right. Yeah. But you can keep bees and harvest all their honey and feed them sugar water because in the long run it's cheaper. But then you can get crummier bees. and crummier honey, right? Well, well, the thing is, you don't harvest any of the honey made off the sugar water. Oh. Oh, You're yeah. just like, well, we're not going to eat it. Right. Well, do you know what? That, that's jackassery. That's not okay. <laughs> it's like, if you're not willing to eat it, how about we don't let right. them make them? Right. It's a lot of labor. It is. It is. Not, it is. It's which not is an effective so use many, of their time. Which is why so many commercial guys, especially in the smaller outfits, are doing their best to leave a box, a box and a half of honey for the bees over winter. Okay. So that... Because it cuts down on their feeding costs. Right. It cuts down on some of their labor and extraction costs. It does cut into their profitability. Honey is worth a heck of a lot more than sugar water, which is why they were doing it in the first place. Right. Because if you sell that honey you harvest, even after you pay for the sugar water, you're still coming out ahead financially. Okay. So it made economic sense for the beekeepers to do that. Right. But the more we're learning about how detrimental it is for health, the less we're inclined to do it. Well... For a long time, 
beekeeping was one of those things you could kind of do without thinking about it. You'd check on them every once in a while, especially during the summer when it was harvest time and stuff. Make sure they've got enough room so they don't swarm off. And, uh, <laughs> I like the idea of them going, uh, too crowded around here. That's Let's exactly swarm off. what they do. Is it? It is. It is. When things get too crowded, they say, okay, we, we need another queen so that we can split up and, and, and make another and hive. Make another hive elsewhere. How do they make a hive like in, na- in nature? Like they find like dead trees and stuff, right? right. Or They'll is find that the- a, a fairly protected space. Okay. Because, of course, their their issues are cold. They don't want to freeze out. Their right. brood needs to stay in the mid-90s to develop properly. Oh, okay. So bees are masters of climate control. They will ventilate a hive even in triple-degree temperatures. Triple really? Degree temperatures to keep the hive cool enough. And they'll keep it warm over winter. That's what they need all the honey for to help keep their temperatures up. Okay. they're insects, you know. They're right, right. mammals. Right, right. Um, so... You need more honey over winter in a cold area than you do here in Southern California, obviously. Oh, right, right, to sort of bulk up and right. and live off of. So they'll look for somewhere that's adequately protected for them to keep it warm and adequately ventilated for them to keep it cool. And I believe the space that they need is roughly uh four cubic feet or something like that is what they look for okay there's an optimal size that they tend to gravitate towards right but as anecdotal data will tell you they'll find (laughs) any nook or cranny they can inside people's walls right barbecues dog houses right right squirrel houses like everything open trees what are there do bees have natural predators oh yes bears 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 will eat a bee or we'll eat Bears a honey. Bears will tear apart a hive looking for both the larvae in the cells for their protein oh. and for the honey. Because bears are, bears are omnivores just like humans. Right. They like the same things we like. Right. It's tasty, tasty stuff. Sure. So, uh, so one of the, So they'll eat the baby bees. They'll, they'll, they'll eat like eat the everything. eggs and whatever. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. They'll just and, chew it all up. But don't they get stung when they... Bees will naturally aim for the face, for oh. eyes... In particular, because that's the part of a bear that they're most effective against. Right. Bears are so thick-hided and have such dense fur, that's really the only spot they can get to is the nose and eyes. squishy enough to to really get... So, yeah, the bees will definitely go after a bear. Right. But whether or not the bear is phased by them depends on how many manage to hit a sensitive spot. Right, right. So mostly just bears are their natural enemies. Bears, um... Like raccoons or something, or...? uh, Skunks, actually, are a common issue. Oh, really? But the trick to that is just place your beehive at least 18 inches off the ground, and then the skunks can't reach them anymore. Interesting. Interesting. Um, you know, dolphins won't jump out of a tuna net. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, everyone talks about how smart dolphins are. <laughs> and you're like, but you, but Flipper can jump. No, right. no, not jumping. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Sadly, then you're dying. And so, yeah, that's okay. So now let's, let's, uh, the, the elephant in the room. Let's talk about it. Sure. Wasps. What's the difference? What's going on? They belong to a very, to the same category. Ants, wasps, bees are all hymenoptera. 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 <laughs> Um, they're all animals that, uh, that can live in social groups. What most people don't realize is that the honeybees we think of that we see on Winnie the Pooh and stuff, that's one species. That's Apis mellifera, the European honeybee. All right. And brought here by the British who think that everything... Brought here in the 1600s when right. people were coming over. By banana heads who don't understand how natural <laughs> habitats ought not to be messed with, that exactly. kind of thing. Yes. Before we knew how those things worked. Right. When the right. world was still flat, you know. Right. right. When we were simple, simple idiots. Exactly. And, um... But most species of bees, especially here in California, there are 1,500 of them. Oh, really? And most of them are solitary animals. They're not group living animals. So most bees will... Are those indigenous? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And uh, and what do they do? They just, they feed and go and feed and go and... Kind of. Kind of. The uh, most solitary bees live in wood or dirt tunnels. And... Uh, the females will actually dig a tunnel, lay an egg in a room, leave it with some honey and some pollen, 
cap it off, dig another room, lay another egg, leave it with some honey and some pollen, and keep doing that until you've got an entire tunnel full of rooms with baby bees. Wow. When the egg hatches, will eat the food the mom has left for them. Right. Pupate, develop into a fully mature bee, come out and do the same thing. All right. Sort of like turtles. Kind like of, in the in the egg on the on yeah. the they're like well I hope it all works out exactly call me when you find work and they come in a wide variety of sizes and colors they come in blues and greens and really? iridescence and then little tiny look kind of like flies all the way up to those giant carpenter bees that come in a shiny black and brown and you can't really raise those can you no not I really. mean you can't really you can domesticate put, them or- you, no. Not domesticate, can, but I mean... And you can certainly not harvest anything from them. Right. Apis it, mellifera, the, the European honeybee, is one of those few species that generates enough honey mm-hmm. because of their communal living situation for us to harvest any. Right. So that's why we've been cultivating them, because we can get honey out of it. Right, right. And how long has beekeeping been around? Since the Egyptians Since and all that? Since the Egyptians, at least. In fact, uh, beeswax used to be used as a commodity because it was lighter and easier to carry around around than uh, gold mm-hmm. and therefore worth more than its weight in gold. Wow. So they would use it as a trading currency. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. It's So wasps are just a different animal. They don't make honey. No. They make no. Uh, trouble is what yes. they do. Yes. Bastards. Are they indigenous to the, the North America? To yes. your knowledge? Yes. There are a variety of species of ants, wasps, and bees that are native. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Go potty. Oh, you got to go to the bathroom, Vincent? Please do. <laughs> there it is. Knock yourself out. And uh, it's all good. It's the dork forest. <laughs> Everybody has bodily functions. I want more coffee. That's what I want. <laughs> it's uh, well, you'll handle one end of that spectrum. You can handle the it's other. A, I don't know if uh, I don't know if people could hear the pad pad padding in the background of uh, of young Vincent going around in circles, going. I think I have to go to the bathroom. Pretty sure. Pretty sure I have to go. And um. Yeah, so, well, that's, I mean, I am going to go get some more coffee. <laughs> Feel free to um, uh, pontificate about knitting. <laughs> Which I told is cool. <laughs> yes, knitting is cool. Why? Well, except when it's warm, because knitting is generally warm. So the hotter it is outside, the less pleasant it is to knit. Oh, really? It all comes down to humidity. Sweaty, sweaty, wet yarn is not fun to knit with because it sticks. And therefore, it does not make stitches nicely. It doesn't slide off your needles nicely, and it just turns into a chore. Oh, okay. So what you do is you want to do... Um, is you hang out at the Adler's where there's air conditioning, and then it's right, fun again. Right, <laughs> Have you ever gone to the mall? You know how, like, sometimes young mothers will go to the mall yes. and walk around with their children in the mall because it's air conditioning? I was actually in the mall just yesterday helping Ian with an E buy some sunglasses, and there was a woman sitting there crocheting. And I said, Oh, there you go. I know why she's here. Because <laughs> <laughs> she just want her yarn doll bundle up or something because exactly. of the heat? Exactly. That's fascinating. So you're also into, like, I mean, because I showed you my garden, which right. is a mess and needs to be weeded and... And fixed, and right now we have a lot of bounty, right? But it is not a good-looking garden. No, we got a lot of. Uh, that's the, that's the tricky part of vegetable gardening is making it attractive, right? Mar- Martha Stewart can do it, but then she has a staff. Exactly, it's always to keep easier tying things staff. up. That's what we all got to save up for a staff, right? Do you compost and all that stuff? I do have a compost pile, which I don't tend nearly enough. The biggest trick with compost in my neighborhood, because I live in Sunland, which okay. is unfortunately not named ironically, <laughs> uh, is keeping it wet enough for things to actually decompose. So Is that what the main part? Because we have a compost and uh, things aren't decomposing fast enough. And I don't know if they're not wet enough or they're not hot enough here in Van Nuys. Yes, it's usually moisture. Is it? If they're not wet enough. I mean, c- composting stuff in Florida is easy because oh. everything's wet all the time. Oh my gosh. It Florida just itself is just moist. Right. Yeah. Whereas here in Southern California, it's a Mediterranean climate. It's much drier. And right. so things desiccate before they rot in a lot of cases. It's yeah. easier for our bees to get to honey than it is for people down in Georgia. It is easier for a rich man to make it through a camel... What? A camel <laughs> and a... There's a needle and an eye. <laughs> it's a, so those Georgians and Floridians, they have a harder time making honey, but they have an easier time making compost. Right. You know, it's all give and take. 
Right. And so did they find out why the bees all died? Was it because They're of the- still working on it. They still don't know. At this point, they think it's just a matter of a combination of factors all hitting the bees until they get to a point where they can't recover. Okay. It's being called colony collapse disorder. Okay. And, which <laughs> Why is, wouldn't it be called a disorder? Because they, they can't attribute it to any one thing. And okay. There are a couple major parasites that have been introduced to this country in the past decade or two. Um, are they also insects, or are they are they larvae? Well, there's are they- a fungus okay. called Nosema serrani. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had been dealing with Nosema apis for a while, and Nosema serrani is proving to be even nastier. Uh, and it's a fungal infection which actually perforates the gut in the bee. And as you can imagine, having holes in your intestinal tract is not so good for avoiding disease. Right. And then uh, the other ones are Varroa mites. And we've we've had tracheal mites and other kinds of mites, but the varroa mites are particularly tenacious. Okay. And they're really well Mites matched. are like tiny, tiny insects, Kinda right? Kind of like fleas. Okay. Yeah. And in fact, you can... If you look closely, you can see them on a bee if, you, if you've got the time to sit and find right, them. Right, find a bee that'll sit still long enough right. to... Yikes! Exactly. <laughs> uh, the, the best way to see what a bee might look like is find a good photograph online. There you go. Exactly. Maybe, maybe that'll be the, the, the picture on the, for the app this right. week. <laughs> so between the Varroa mites and the Nosema serrani and all of the bee viruses we've got... Plus the effects of the nutrition stresses we put our bees under. Right. Uh, and plus, don't they? Don't we work them like the whole year long? And we they're work supposed them like to, crazy. The, aren't they supposed to hibernate or something? Or yes. rest? Or the almond? The almond crop in California is the largest almond crop in the world. We okay. provide almonds to everybody. <laughs> Who loves almonds out exactly. there? Huh? Exactly. I got cashews and pistachios. By the way, if you're right. allergic to nuts. <laughs> You're doomed. So the problem is their bloom is the first bloom of the season. Okay. And those almond growers want those hives to be at full strength first thing in February. Okay. This is really out of season for the bees. The bees are used to ramping up at almond time and stone fruit season, those first crops of the year. Right. That's when they start going, oh, hey, maybe we should ramp up the egg laying and the productivity yeah, yeah. and get our numbers up so we're ready for that big nectar flow in the middle of summer. Well, no, in order to get a good almond <laughs> set, the growers need those hives to be full. at full strength. So those commercial beekeepers, this is another reason that they're feeding them in the winter, because if you feed an appropriate um, sugar solution that mimics a nectar flow, it'll trigger those bees to start oh. upping their population early. Right. So in order to get their bees to the right population at the right time of year for commercial reasons... There's no downtime. There's very little downtime. We're getting those bees ramped up months earlier than they would, naturally speaking. Now, a couple years ago, this wasn't too big an issue because we could always import bees from Australia. Okay. And since they're in the other hemisphere, oh, they're in the right season to have full hives. It's sort of bees on the road kind of thing. Exactly. Where the, the Australian beekeepers would be like, well, we're going to bring you here now. Right. So if we didn't have enough hives built up enough here... The growers could always contract to bring some in from down under. The problem with that is... Um, Don't they need them? Well, they've just finished their season at that point, remember? Oh, okay. They're oh, right, right. summer. So okay. they're like, sure, another round, no big deal. The problem is the same issue we find with any other quarantine issue. They're bringing their... their crazy diseased bees? Crazy and- diseases. <laughs> so we... The U.S. recently put a ban on importing Australian bees. Oh. For years and years and years, it has been near impossible to import anything related to bees from Europe. Okay. You know, because even the researchers trying to get germplasm, just bee sperm across the borders was a nightmare. Serious quarantine issues. Now, why? uh, The die is cast. And yet we were importing entire hives... From Australia. So the researchers were pulling their hair out, losing their goddamn minds. Right. Um, and when we started seeing Chinese bee diseases in Australia that we hadn't acquired yet here in the U.S. Right. It finally got to a point where beekeepers here were like, please, 
please do something. Please make it impossible for them to contaminate us with that stuff. We need a ban or a quarantine on Australian safety, bees for the safety of our own bees because they're starting to see influences that we haven't seen yet, and we're we're still struggling with the influences we've already got. And so, wait, does these bees come in? Do they can they affect the food? Like can, can they can they pass a strain of something onto like the corn or no, something? No, it's it's mostly just it's just killing more bees, infecting other okay. bees. Because when you bring them in for the almond pollination, it's the densest collection of bee populations anywhere in the country all year. Okay, so. Even if you're just using U.S. bees, it's still a problem. We're still spreading contagions amongst our bee populations fastest in that early spring pollination season here in California. It's the daycare of bees. It is the daycare of bees. <laughs> exactly. Wow. Okay. So uh, all sorts of things get spread from yard to yard and bee to bee. And so why would that? Why do they want to import from Europe? Don't we already have all the European bees? Well, or? part of the problem is and they're on the same time schedule. We've spent we've spent so long without importing and mixing genes that right. our gene our genetic stock is about twenty percent as diverse as it was. 50 oh, years ago. We have royal bees. We, we have, do. We, have, we, we are have, starting to suffer from royal <laughs> royal breeding nervous, type issues. Nervous, twitchy, hip dysplasia bees. Okay. tendencies. Yes. Yeah. So that's why the researchers want to do it, because a lot of bee... Variants. Can we take our bees over there and just sort of get them, get them knocked <laughs> up and then bring our bees back? Unfortunately, no, because the way the ban works, we wouldn't be let on the plane to come home. Oh, Even okay, because once we brought our bees, bees there, right. oh, they're like, you can't travel with your bees. Yeah. This is not no, a bee. You must leave them. You must. I, I can bring my chihuahua. You cannot bring your bees. <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I want to be able to bring our bees. Exactly. So, um, the... There are a you lot know a of, lot about bees. I do. It's awesome. <laughs> how did you? So, what do you? How many bees do you have? I have one hive. One hive. How many are in your hive? Uh, uh, a hive is anywhere from ten to sixty thousand bees. What? What? Ten thousand bees to sixty thousand bees? Yeah. Yeah. Typically. How much? And that's a four cubic box. That's how tall. It, it, well, they're about a, a foot and a half on each side, and. It changes height throughout the year, depending on how many boxes you put on it. Holy smokes! How much honey you harvest. I've seen bee colonies that took up enough space to be taller than than a man. How many many bees do you have right now? I probably have about... Because it's summer. 20, 30,000. They're starting to gear down now. Okay. Now, because I started with a a starter hive this May. Okay. It was... Five frames worth of bees. Okay. When you talk to commercial beekeepers and you talk about how full their hive is, they talk about frames of bees. Okay. And that means one of their frames entirely covered on both sides. With, with bees. bees. I've seen the pictures. I've right. seen the pictures. So how many bees fit on a frame? Well, uh, I want to say about 1,000, 1,500. Okay. All right. Depends so on how tight they are. So, so. two to 3,000 bees per frame. Um. Yeah, on a good tight frame, yeah. Okay, all right. So a, a good, a full box, which is 10 frames right. on a standard commercial hive, um, would have ten to 15,000 bees probably. Okay. And that'll just be solid bees on all 10 frames. And bees come and go, right? I mean, there's no lock on the door. No, there is no locking the door, but the bees recognize each other by scent. Every queen has a specific pheromone that identifies her. And part of the job of the attendant... The attendant bees that take care of the queen is dispersing her pheromone throughout the hive. Okay. And so bees will recognize each other by, oh yeah, you smell like that queen. That You're okay. one of ours. Oh, you're one of us. Which is how they also know whether or not to defend their hive against bees that come in to their hive. Because this, right now, is the season for robbing. The nectar flow is just now ending. There's not so much food out there. So if a hive doesn't feel like it's got enough food to make it through the winter, it'll look uh-huh. for any other hives around it that have got it. And if they're strong enough, they'll attack, gorge themselves on anything they can find in the hive and take right. it back to their own hive. Wow. Okay. I read a short story once about uh, a, a, an evil king or something like that who stole all the honey from this honeybee dude. And then... Um, but it was stored in a room that was that the 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 uh, he opened the window and all the bees came, 
and stole the honey back automatically. Right. Like, cause, and, and took it back to the hive. And, um, and, uh, the king was like, you stole the honey. And the guy's like, no, no, they made more honey. I don't know how they made it, but they made it overnight. They made all this honey. <laughs> it's a really good story. I don't know where it came from. Well, but it was a- it's, it's accurate. If a beekeeper doesn't keep his honey house clean and things locked down and tight, the bees aren't dumb. They'll take it the easiest right. way they can find it. <laughs> they, they, they will take pre-made honey is exactly. what you're telling me. They're not going to go make some honey if they're there's honey right. that they can just take. Why do it the hard way? Right. This is nature, dude. <laughs> survival of the fittest and all that. Yeah, yeah. Nature will just cut right to the chase and do it do it the most efficient way. Exactly. That's hilarious. Yeah. So you have bees and you have plants. I do. And so it leaves, the bees leave you, your yard, and dash out all over your neighborhood. Bees will travel up to a mile or two. Oh. To find good forage. We got we got pretty good bees in our backyard, but we don't keep bees. Right. No, you don't have to keep bees to have good bees in your yard. You just have to have a hive somewhere within a mile. A mile. We have cockfighting somewhere within a mile because <laughs> I hear roosters and I don't think it's a chicken farm. I think uh, here in Van Nuys that uh, that is it's some sort of... probably not, yeah. It's battling roosters is exactly. what we're talking about there. <laughs> some sort of uh, cultural moment that uh, I don't entirely approve of, exactly. even though I eat chicken. So. Right. I'm told that the way roosters kill each other in a cockfight is actually more humane than the way we kill chickens to eat them. And you're like, that's potentially possible. That is potentially in in all in both cases dead chickens. Right. Uh, in in one of them, one of them's named Sarge. Exactly. So I don't need I don't need to know a lot about it. It's uh, I certainly don't need to watch it. No. But uh, <laughs> there we go. I'm not going to place bets on it. No. How about that? No. Hey, I think that yellow one's going to win. <laughs> nope. Uh, so so. If so, you think that there? If if we have a lot of bees in our backyard, mm-hmm. there must be a hive within a mile. Probably is what yeah. you're thinking. If there's a yeah. if there's plenty of bees, if, right. if there's like ten or twelve bees any given moment. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. And then who? Um. How do we, how do you encourage bees to be in your yard? You encourage bees by planting plants that will uh, help them make honey or give them plenty of pollen. There are a wide variety of plants. It, it's easy to find them if you just you know walking around your neighborhood at your local arboretum or stuff keep an eye out for which plants the bees are on and it'll change from week to week because they're going to be on the ones that are in season if the nectar flow is on this plant right now they'll be on it right and a month from now when that nectar flow is over you won't see any bees on it because there's nothing but there might still be a flower but there might still be a flower okay um our weather this year has been kind of weird for the spring wonky with the yeah Mm -hmm. with the long late uh, water rains and 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 colder than usual. Early early hot spells and then the real mild August and it's just been weird all the way around. It has been weird. Uh, my okra took forever and then I planted twenty four okra plants. I think I have seven. Yeah, that lived. Yeah, very so irritating. It's been really rough on both the plants and the bees because the plants are all confused. Right. Am I supposed to set flowers on? Right. Oh, it's a it's a heat wave. I should put my flowers <laughs> out and then and then they get rained on. And then they get moldy and fungusy, and then so the blooms don't set right, and so there's no nectar flow, and these kinds of weird things, things don't take all year. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So uh, just keep an eye out in your neighborhood, you know, year round for right. which plants you see bees on. There's some really basic, easy ones that everybody's familiar with: lavender, rosemary. Um, oh, your herbs. Kind of herby stuff. Oregano is great for bees. Okay. Thyme, a lot of your herbs. Um, sunflowers. Oddly enough. Yes. Weirdly enough, right yes, there. Bees love sunflowers. Um, roses, not so much. But not so much. Squash plants. Oh, yeah. You know, anything that has a male and female flower. Right. Avocado you're, trees. You're taking one of our pumpkins. Indeed. I could not be more pleased. The Brazilian uh, pepper tree I used to have in my backyard used to be full of bees all okay. the time. I could right. stand underneath it and hear them. <laughs> so, uh, and a lot of your California natives, too, which are easy to grow. One of the advantages of things like... Um, Rosemary and lavender is that they're so easy to grow here. They're a Mediterranean plant. They're low maintenance, low water. Right. Your California poppies are that way. Your uh, sages are that way. Okay. I got Scarborough Fair over here on the side Mm -hmm. of the house where I've got rosemary, sage, thyme, and something else. And, of course, your citrus. Everybody goes to the grocery store and finds orange blossom honey. Bees love citrus. Okay. Oh, and I suppose the honey tastes like whatever they're eating. It does. Uh, citrus is one of those rare things where oranges taste like orange blossoms, so your orange honey tastes like citrus. Oh, interesting. But 
Other plants, not so much. I I know one beekeeper who doesn't like lavender. He's like he does not enjoy the, lavender. The the honey just tastes <laughs> like soap. Oh my gosh! All right, but just because they're getting nectar off of a rosemary plant doesn't mean it's going to taste like rosemary. Um, like uh, I tasted a lima bean honey at one point at the state beekeepers convention somebody had some and it was a really light delicate flavor with a little bit of a, a tangy bite to it it was like but it wasn't oh, really lima beanie didn't tell it didn't taste like beans at all of right course. right that's you know it's interesting you were talking about how you you get addicted to it and then you're in yeah and like no okay first of all do you harvest honey i haven't yet okay because uh, you just got them in the may first year with my colony they've been spending all year drawing out comb and and setting up house so to speak okay so i've currently got two boxes of honey on my hive and technically speaking i can probably harvest a couple frames of it but i'm just gonna leave it for them right now okay and let them do their thing and next year there'll be even more there should be even more and i should be able to harvest at least one box with no problem and right. still have plenty to get through the winter have you put on the bee suit and talked to the bees oh, like yeah. in the suit yeah i get into the hive about once every two weeks to, to check just... on how they're doing do they need more boxes on the hive do they need more space? have they have you had to change things i or have do you... i have right. i started with one deep box with 10 frames okay and it had about five frames worth of bees in it and uh when they've Drew out some more of those frames. I gave them another box on top, and they drew those, that comb out and made more space and started laying more bees. And I, I'm i up to three short boxes and one deep right now. Okay. And so you go in and just sort of check on them and then add whatever they need. Mm-hmm. And then, so what is the bee suit? Does it stop you from getting stung and oh, stuff? No, is that no what? it's just a com- canvas jumpsuit. It's just it's denim. It's a canvas jumpsuit. Yeah, it's just denim. It's like a painter's jumpsuit kind of a thing like like painter's pants mm-hmm. so why 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 do people wear it because it's a little bit thicker and you can sort it well because the denim's thicker and it and it helps the big trick is is the veil yeah and your gloves okay um and in many cases your boots the trick is not leaving any small spot for the bee to get to you yeah and they can still get to you through the suit but usually they won't Okay. most people are wearing jeans and a t-shirt underneath, too. So right. how many layers can that stinger reach through? They're right. small. Right. They're not a huge bee, I suppose. No, yeah, yeah. No. Have and you been stung or not so much yet? I have. Okay. A couple times. Uh, not while working my bees. Okay. Ironically enough. Um, I got stung by a wasp a couple of years ago. It's always more terrifying than when it actually happens. Yes. It's like, never fun. It is not fun. It no. is painful. And yes. you think to yourself... Well, that was a pain in the ass. Right. And, but it's never, like, I always think I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like when the bee is in front of me, just right. kind of, and you're sort of swatting at it or you're trying to ignore right. it. And you're like, it's going to kill me if it bites me. Right. And it's not going to. For 99% of the population, it's not. It's not. It's just going to be kind of painful. It's sort and of annoying like, for the next week as it itches. And as it hurts. itches and hurts yeah. and sort of, yeah. Yeah. But it is cra- <laughs> crazy that I'm like, you are very threatening. <laughs> they <laughs> are. A, a tiny, threatening animal for some reason. And the, the thing that t- was hardest to get used to was the sound of that many bees in one place. Uh-huh. And getting used to the idea of, I'm in a suit, and as long as I'm just mellow and relaxed, they'll be more likely to stay mellow and relaxed. That's okay. one of the reasons we like European honeybees, because they're they've been bred for... Decades or even centuries for docility. For okay. For being harvested. So Did. that we can harvest without being okay. constantly stung to death. Because enough bees can sting you to death. Right, right. If it were, I mean, how many, I mean, I suppose a couple hundred bee stings you can, I've seen it on, I've seen it in yeah. science fiction. My, one, of my, one of my friends from the bee group actually spent a, a day in the emergency room last year. He's a commercial beekeeper. Okay. And... Every once in a while, especially here in the Southwest, one of your hives will get taken over by local feral genes. And if they happen to be one of the more aggressive Africanized variants... Ooh, killer bees! Exactly. Um, or even if you just really manage to piss off a European colony. Um, <laughs> I suppose you're just like, yeah, you know what? We're going to make fun of the French right now. Let's talk right. about the French in a bad mo- in exactly. a bad way. But the, the reason the Africanized bees are considered a danger is because they're so much easier to piss off. Okay. They're just more defensive. Okay. And he ended up in the hospital 
Despite being a commercial beekeeper who gets stung on a regular basis, he has something of a tolerance for it. Right. He hit a point where he's like, okay, I I can't handle this anymore. I've been stung enough times. The top of my scalp hurts. And his partner was like, hop in the truck. We're leaving now. Okay. Straight for the emergency room. And what, how do they treat it? Lots and lots of Benadryl. Oh, is that it? Oh, they Uh, just kind of knock you out. They injected him with about 10 times the normal dose of Benadryl. Wow. They had a crash cart standing by. Just in case. They lucked out. The emergency room they wound up at happened to have a doctor on staff at the time who had just gotten back from South and Central America on a six-month stint studying Africanized bees and their effects on humans. Oh. So he walked in the door and took one look at him and said, you've been bee stung. Yes. And he said, yes, indeed, I have. And uh, they counted... They started counting how many stings he'd received and right. got to 300 on one glove and then just stopped counting. They're like, we don't need to count anymore. It's just wow, a lot. 300? 300. I suppose if there's 60,000 bees, right. several hundred bees could sting you in a, in a heartbeat. And once one of them stings you, when they sting you, they give off a pheromone that smells a little like bananas. Oh, really? Called an alarm pheromone. <laughs> right, right. And as soon as the other bees pick up on that, they're more defensive and they're more likely to sting you. So it has a snowball effect. Right. This is why you get reports of dogs or horses and stuff being stung to death by bees. Right. And it happens because you piss one of them off and if there's enough of them close enough to smell that sting. They're like, oh, this is an enemy. We're going to go they get this just dude. cluster this you. Thing. And wow. Yeah. Um, they actually told this friend of mine that... It, he was lucky that he's in the field enough to get stung on a regular basis because he didn't go into cardiac arrest. They were they were really expecting it. They stood yeah. by and, and, and Crash waited. Crash and everything. Waited for six hours, and, and the Benadryl helped enough that he uh, he walked out after six hours and was okay. But uh, his partner bought him a new bee suit later Aww. that year for... Get back on the horse. That was get designed to be even, even oh, uh, stronger against bees. They, okay. It's one of those industries, it's a niche industry that they're working on. What can we do that won't overheat the beekeeper? Right. And still protect them from Because how long do you stay in a, in a beehive? It depends how big the beehive it is, I suppose. It depends on, well, it depends. Are you a hobbyist or are you a commercial guy? The commercial guys can check a hive in less than a minute. Oh, okay. Because they've dealt with enough hives that a lot of them can just pick up one end and judge by feel if it's heavy enough. Because those bees... You don't think about them weighing anything because, you know, they fly. But when they're on those frames, those bees get heavy really fast. I suppose. A full deep box can weigh almost 100 pounds. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. All right. I don't lift the full medium boxes by myself because I I like my back. Right. Exactly. (laughs) So you're two years in. Yeah. You're two years into bees. Yeah. What, uh, um... Are there people behind you that 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 you can tell like like I don't know anything about bees I don't want bees I, I'm good right I don't even like honey quite right. honestly I don't mean to be a jackass <laughs> but uh, it's uh, it's I don't like jelly I don't like I'm, right you're sure, a savory person I'm more of a savory person chicken's my downfall right. it's not yeah it isn't it isn't honey anyway so but um and then there's people that you're still learning from oh absolutely it's it, at these different bee organizations what organizations should people like if people want to know more about bees what should they read what should they do um you can start with really basic stuff like uh beekeeping for dummies oh is there a dummies there book? there is a dummies book have you tried have you tried it have you i looked have at it? read the beekeeping <laughs> beekeeping for dummies book it was one of the first things i read okay and it's not bad there's also an idiot's guide to beekeeping sure uh, the internet has. A wide I, don't, I don't like the negative sort of. You're an idiot. You're a dummy. I don't. I don't agree. Right. But I, I get it. It's but, hilarious. But they try and put sure. it in basic, basic right. terms. Sure, sure. Um, the internet is full of things. Yes. Uh, com is a great online forum where beekeepers of all experience. Levels. Yeah. Yeah. Exchange ideas and everything from commercial guys to backyard organic beekeepers, that kind of a thing. Right. Right. So. Um, 
you go exchange ideas, figure out which kind of beekeeping works for you. There is no one right way to keep bees. That makes sense. And as one of the old timers in my group is fond of saying, the bees haven't read the book. Right. <laughs> if you read the book, you're not going to know. They're going to come up with something. Are there bossy magoos in the bee world? There are bossy magoos in the bee world, just like anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. People yeah. are like, no, I know how it's supposed to be done. Exactly. This is how it's supposed to be done. Well, and there are some people you who need to are breastfeed very your bees. dogmatic about how to keep your bees. Yes. Okay. Uh, a variety of dogmas. But <laughs> one of the things I like about my group is that we try and include all sorts of beekeepers. Okay. Everything from garden who are interested in how do I keep my bees healthy in the neighborhood without having any of my own to commercial guys who run 500 hives at a time. Yeah. We've got everything. People who keep bees for medical reasons and the health benefits of not only the honey, but the pollen and the propolis and the royal jelly. And what now What's propolis? Propolis is a resin that bees collect from plants. And is it good for you? Like your pitch or tar from asphalt. They use it the same way we use pitch or tar. Oh, to patch up the... To seal cracks. Oh, nice. They also use it to entomb anything that gets into the hive that they can't move out that could be a contagion. If they have a mouse move into one corner and die, they'll encapsulate it in propolis so that it doesn't... Like like bleed all over there, yeah. Bacteria or stuff like that. Just decompose itself in their hive. Exactly. So they use it to seal gaps and help keep those drafts down and that kind of thing. But a lot of people will consume it as a dietary supplement for health reasons. All right. Well, what I want to know is, uh, could people follow you on Twitter? Is that something you do, or what? I don't Twitter actually. Uh, L.A. County Beekeepers. Has a website. Oh, is that your favorite? Is that sort of your... That's where you can find information about us. Bee Source is a great place to just chat about bees with other people. Yeah, yeah. Um, Right now, uh, September is the L.A. County Fair. And our group, in conjunction with the... With Basque, the Beekeepers Association of Southern California, right. puts on a booth every year. I bet you every state's uh, county fair has kind of a bee thing. A lot. I know Orange County's fair has a bee booth as well. Right. We keep an observation hive in the booth. So you can come look at the bees. Right. And without, see how they do their business. Right. Four different frames of honey and brood and watch them do their thing. Watch bees hatch out of their cocoon. Watch the the. Is it a hell of a themselves. white noise in your backyard? Is it a nice white noise to it's sleep really, to? <laughs> it's really, really quiet. In fact, the, oh, really? the neighborhood uh, air conditioners make more noise than my bees. Oh, so you fair have enough. to be really right next to it or have the hive open and be messing in it before right. they make enough noise to be troublesome. Okay, okay. But oh, yeah, nice. that observation hive is is a great way to learn. The first year that I helped at the fair, I had spent seven months reading the books. I thought I knew what I was talking about. Right. But there's only so much you can get from pictures. I walked into the fair that first day, and I looked at one of the other members, and I said, Bill, what am I looking at? I don't even know what I'm looking at. I'm supposed to be, you know, the person Right, you teaching. saw nine billion pictures. Right. I'm volunteering to oh, help were you teach docent? other people okay. around, about bees, and I don't know what I'm looking at. He's like, oh, come on. you got to know what that is. I'm okay. Like, no, no. Tell me tell me so he pointed out the brood area and this over here is where the pollen is and this is honey and it's just one of those things where the capped over brood cells and the capped over honey cells have a slightly different look to them both oh, but they look comparable okay but it's hard to tell in a photo in a book especially black and white yeah so getting a chance to see one up close is really, really different from studying things in a book. Yeah. So if you can get to a county fair with an observation hive, or you can get in touch with a beekeeper who's got a spare veil or a spare suit and is willing to you know, open a hive for you and show you, the up close and personal really is a totally different experience. And that's the way to go, huh? Yeah. All right. It is. And in fact, uh, even in the off season, I know Bennett's Honey Farm has, um, has an observation hive year round in their showroom. Where they'll let you actually taste their honeys before you buy them, and they carry Ooh, raw honey. Yeah, is that better than well? What I mean, what what actually is processed when they when they do it? Like, well, the distinction between raw honey and not raw is usually how high they heat it. In the big commercial packing facilities, 
adding heat makes the honey run faster. Okay. You can run it through a filter faster. You can package it in your bottles faster. Okay. Everything's easier when you're not waiting for oh, the right. honey. It's like a Heinz <laughs> tomato sauce right, right, commercial, right. you know. Okay. So a lot of places will so ship you can, their you honey. Can, you, you can ship more faster. Right. If, it's if all ha- about processing speed. Okay. So, so they're not really doing anything except for heating it. Right. But the heating it, in essence, pasteurizes it. That's true. Which a lot of people object to because when the bees are processing the honey, they're adding enzymes and stuff to it and people oh. want that. Right, right. And they're... Most beekeepers filter their honey because during the extraction process, you're going to wind up with bits of wax or occasional bee, bee parts. <laughs> bits in your of honey. bee, sure. Yeah, so some people prefer unfiltered honey because then you get those extra little bits of protein and stuff in your in your honey. Right. Some people prefer it filtered. Sure. Some people prefer it filtered, processed, high heat, pasteurized. Right, right. You know? Some people just enjoy uh, just a piece of candy that tastes like honey. Right. That's made in New Jersey. Right. Off of exit number 37. <laughs> and, uh, hey, Stacy McKenna Sipe, let me just say something. This has been fascinating. Thanks. I've learned a lot about bees. Thank you. I'm I know. Glad. We barely talked about knitting. I might have a, I, I might have a knitting dork on. And if I have a knitting dork on, would you like to come and talk knitting? Sure. We could come talk knitting. Sweet. Vincent, of course, has had a lovely time over there, patter, patter. And uh, playing with uh, whatever, whatever's yeah. in that corner. People, American public, thank you for listening to uh, The Dork Forest. And uh, tune in next time when we'll talk to another dork. It's going to be awesome. Bye. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my god. Thank we you. why don't we just call that as the end of the show?